1: Good afternoon, and welcome back to another adventure here on Blog Talk Radio, SHRI Media, the Lone Star Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, oh, Facebook, oh, the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a hyphen in the middle, southern sensecom I'm your hostess with the most just the radio chick, Annie, along with my debonair, intellectual and oh-so-handsome co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. We've got an exciting show today.
2: Yeah, it looks like it's a, it's going to be another one for the history books. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and yourself?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. We have your friend Larry Harvey, who is a Putnam County Commissioner uh, down in Florida, joining us. Uh, but the first half of the show, we're going to have Katie Arrington. She won the primary here in South Carolina for the congressional seat in District 1, Currently held by Mark Sanford, uh, she was in a horrific car accident where the driver that hit her head on uh, was killed. Her her friend, her best friend, is still in the hospital undergoing more surgeries. And uh, I saw her Wednesday. She was cheerful, but she's well, confined to wheelchair for now. But uh, she'll be joining us at the first half of the show. But those that listen to the show know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going out to Army Staff Sergeant Aaron R. Butler. He was killed on August 6th of 2017 while serving during Operation Freedom Sentinel. And this is from uh, the St. Louis Trib by Luke Ramseth. And it reads, if Aaron Butler were to give his own eulogy, his sister said it would have been simple. I came. I lived, I killed bad guys, I died. But Shannon Young had much more than that to say about her kid brother at his funeral. She sketched out the 27 years of a championship athlete, an avid outdoorsman, a fast learner, a loving brother, and a man who accomplished his lifelong dream becoming an elite American soldier. Bravery was just a quality rooted deep inside him, Young said. He showed us how to live, added his brother Shane Butler. More than 1,000 people gathered in this small southern Utah town for the funeral service of Staff Sergeant Butler, the first Newtonian killed in combat since 2013. They packed into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Stake Center, overflowing the chapel, the basketball court, and other rooms where the service was streamed live. On August 16, 2017, Butler and his teammates in Bravo Company 1st Battalion 19th Special Forces Group of the Utah National Guard were clearing a building in Nagahar Province, Afghanistan, searching for Islamic State loyalists. But the structure had been booby-trapped and exploded, killing Butler and injuring his 11 teammates. Dozens of Butler fellow Green Berets and one of his teammates who had been in attendance. Staff Sergeant Trevor Bell accompanied his comrades' remains from Afghanistan to the U.S., spending, spending several days in Monticello. At the service, Bell recalled a teammate who wasn't afraid to stand up to his superiors when he felt something was wrong. He told of a guy who would rather gather his fellow soldiers around to entertain them with stories of his life growing up in Monticello or tales of serving as a Mormon missionary in Ghana. You can sense he was different. In all the best ways possible. Bell said, beginning to tear up, We lost an incredible man, teammate, and friend. Another of Special Forces teammates told Butler's sister that he'd fought with everything he had to the very end. Your brother was a warrior, the teammate told Young. Some guys try to be alpha, alpha males, but Aaron naturally was one. Young said Butler could seem a little wild as a teenager. He was already obsessed with the military and was known to sometimes ask family members, anyone want to go blow something up? Then there was Butler's rugged work ethic. Young said he always stayed after wrestling practice to work out or mentor his teammates. It paid off in the form of four state wrestling titles, making him one of only a handful of Utonians to ever accomplish the feat. Butler also picked up new skills quickly, Young said, including mastering a second language, a requirement to join the special forces. Each of Butler's brothers urged the crowd to live by his example, to say less and do more, Quinn Butler said, and to be relentless in the pursuit of your goals, as Chad Butler put it. He had been a a protector his entire life, said Butler's only younger sibling, Adam Butler. He kept me safe. Alexandria Seagroves, butler's fiancé, read a poem he wrote for her. For years, his sole focus in life had been to join the Green Berets, he said. Then he met her, and his perspective on life suddenly shifted. Young said Seagroves had brought out her brother's soft and tender side, which the family had never seen before. I feel like I lost the love of my life, Seagred said, whispering as she choked up, but Aaron will live through me, I know I will see him again. Randley Butler, Aaron's father, said the past few days have been the hardest of his life, but the support of the tight-knit community, including more than 100 people who stopped by the Butler home the day after Aaron was killed to offer condolences and food, have buoyed his spirit. The family also received cards and other messages from around the country. He said thanking them for raising such a fine young man. Thank you for your love, Randy. Butler said. I will be eternally grateful. The crowd, along with Butler's remains, eventually moved along several blocks down the road to Monticello City Cemetery. Rows of green berets stood near the graveside as a half-mast flag flapped nearby under blue skies and a stiff breeze. As the ceremony ended, Butler's mother and sister flanked a sobbing seagros, working to comfort her and themselves. The funeral kept several days of mourning and celebrating Butler's life in Monticello. Hundreds of residents stood on Main Street and waved American flags as his remains arrived at Monticello City Airport and were driven to a mortuary in Blanding. Governor Gary Herbert visited the family. Meanwhile, yellow ribbons were tied to trees and light posts in both cities, and many businesses placed signs on their windows thanking Butler for his service. After a long day of stories and ceremony finished, the Butler family issued a single statement. The family of Staff Sergeant Aaron Butler expresses their deep gratitude for the remarkable outpouring of love and support from friends, community, the military, the state of Utah, and the American people. It has been a wonderful tribute to Aaron, his life, and his service. In central Monticello, there is a Veterans Memorial with a few dozen names of San Juan County soldiers killed in combat over the decades. In the lower right-hand corner are the four San Juan residents killed since September 11th attacks. Quinn Keith, Nathan Winder, James Thode, and Jason Workman. Soon Butler's name will be carved into the monument. Aaron's death, his sister said, makes us acutely aware that the war on terror lives on. Today's show is dedicated to Staff Sergeant Aaron Butler. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into its future. We also dedicate it to all the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We never thank them enough. God bless each and every one. And we dedicate this the song Amazing Grace. Go to the website. Just put a dash in the middle. southern dot Of course, I'm your hostess with the most, just the radio check Annie, along with Curtis C S Bennett. I want to welcome everyone that's listening in on iTunes, uh, YouTube, <laughs> Facebook, also here on BTR. Welcome everyone that's in the chat rooms. Curtis, we've got ourselves an exciting uh, show, and in about two minutes. Uh, Katie Arrington will be calling in. I just got a text from her staff that she's ready to go, and we're going to have a lot of fun with her.
2: When do you think she'll be ready to um, to get back in the campaign again?
1: She
3: is Oh, bad. okay.
2: That's good. She's in That's a wheelchair.
1: Good. She is in a wheelchair because she, she broke her leg, uh, both of her ankles. Uh, they removed a couple of her ribs, and she's got this, you know, <laughs> highfalutin tech thing there to replace where the ribs were broken. Uh, she had pierced mm-hmm. her aorta. Um, she, how she is alive. We do not know. She should have died at that scene. Um, her, her best friend is still in the ho- in the hospital. So our prayers still go out to both Katie and uh, Jackie, uh, for that. I uh, saw so her Wednesday, very upbeat. She's full swing back into the campaign. Um, so she's going to be uh, joining us very shortly. And, uh, she has a lot to talk about but we only have her for like about 15 20 minutes well, uh, cuz she is like i said full swing on yeah. a campaign trail and well, the doctors I are like trying to slow down katie know, family's telling <laughs> slow down katie she's going i am not slowing down yeah. holy moly this like, woman is a fighter
2: i like to know where the outrage is um on drunk drivers though you know i mean more people get killed on the highways than you know the black you know community gets killed by police officers. I mean, just in Georgia alone, I think I remember seeing like about 560 something road fatalities so far just this year, Yeah. but there's no outrage. Yeah. I don't understand this. I thought well, everybody's you know, lives she, she, matter. She, she,
1: she has put it very, very well. Cause when she, I saw her Wednesday and she discussed this when she was talking with us, um, that she says to give prayers out to the white family. That was the name of the woman that uh, hit them head on. Mm -hmm. And then she said, you know, this is a learning moment. When you know someone has been having a few drinks, call them an Uber, call them a taxi, take their keys away. They may be angry with you, but hey, you're saving a life. And this is true. You know, it is very, very true. You know, there's many times when I was a police officer, you found someone asleep in their car. And you found out that they were drunk, we would take the keys away. Later on, it was mandated you must make the arrest. But let's bring uh, Katie in on the phone. Good afternoon, Katie Arrington, your candidate for District 1 out of South Carolina for Congress. And I'm so glad and so happy to have you here. Well, hello. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm just as as ducky as I was when you saw me on Wednesday. Uh, but we're glad to have you back on the show. And, Thank you. Uh, Glad to be letting back. everyone know that you. Oh, just so glad to see you. And uh I'm gonna remind myself on Sunday to put Jacqueline in on the prayer list too. Uh also I yes, to her to so that because I didn't have a f correct spelling and so I didn't want to put it in wrong. <laughs> oh, having, that's okay. Uh, well, I talked to her at this
4: um yesterday afternoon I was telling her, I said, Well, you were gonna be on a prayer list on this past Sunday, but we couldn't spell your name. I said, But you're gonna get it this weekend. She's like, Okay, as long as they're gonna get me, we're dead But she's hanging in there like a trooper. I'm so proud of her. It's such a positive oh, spirit. I mean just yeah, her um you know my accident was, was horrific, but hers was horrific Times Squared. I mean, can you imagine being immobilized you can't turn your head you can't move your body in any way for six weeks and to be conscious for that it's just to me that the spirit of a human being to live through that is just mind-boggling
5: man
1: you know and uh just- Curtis my co-host was asking if you were back on the campaign trail. And I says, you are back full swing. You're out campaigning today. Uh, you've got stops all over the place. You're an amazing firecracker. And this is what we need in, in Washington. We need someone to represent the state of South Carolina that has our interests and is willing to actually fight. Oh, and it's and I thank you for that. And I'm, I've
4: been, you know, joking around. I'm rolling out all this week. Um, I'm actually rolling up to DC next week. Uh, meeting with a lot of the the leadership that's currently in place and people that may or may not be in leadership positions, uh, chatting with them, um, and already working towards what we need in the low country. Uh, You know, big push on infrastructure and what our needs are. Um, was really blown away by the Democrats this week. I I just stand there, my mouth hit the floor when, you know, a year ago (laughs) they voted, you know, overwhelmingly to support ICE and now they're 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 playing and pandering and you know just marking themselves president president not voting and then creating another resolution to abolish ICE and what what they must not understand about how much the low country you know our police officers our law enforcement actually depend on ICE here in the low country and you know the certifications that a lot of our police officers and law enforcement go through to be able to help enforce that. And what ICE is really doing, it's just mind-boggling. And I can't get up, wait to get up there next week. Cannot wait.
1: Oh, you know, what was frustrating when I was a cop um, in New York under Giuliani, we were forbidden mm-hmm. from contacting ICE if we had a known illegal. You know, we found ways yeah. to get around it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but we were told, no, you cannot correct, directly call ICE. Uh, and I have a good friend of mine, Mike Cutler. Uh, he was an mm-hmm. INS agent, and he actually walked this individual across the border three times. The guy returned across the border and ended up murdering a friend of mine, a fellow cop, uh, oh, who was so killed sorry. by this guy. And you know when we see this, and we see that the Democrats saying, "Oh, we don't need ICE. It's racist. It's it's homophobic. It's whatever it is they're going to be calling it—the the flavor of the day." And what idiocy! And you're right. Your your mouth just drops to the floor, thinking like you just don't want to enforce any laws. Well, that's
4: you know coming. Anybody that wants to come here legally, and go through the same process that so many of us—I mean, we can get. I, you know, Ellis Island, if you came to America and you didn't have the right paperwork, you didn't get to come into America. You went to Ellis Island. If you had life, they didn't let you into America. If you had TB, if you, you know, you had committed a crime on on the vessel, on the voyage here, you didn't come to America. It's You know, we want everybody for the, the opportunity to come here, to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness but you have to be mindful and cognizant and respect the law and the law as you go through the immigration process. I was blown away by, you know, the Democrats and, the, you know, pandering to the left with this whole thing about these people that came through this migration train through South America to the United States borders. You know coming in you're going to break the law. Now, if you or I are to break the law in the United States of America, if I broke the law and I had children with me, the first things that the cops would do is arrest me and give my children to protective services. That's mm-hmm. the law. That's what happens. And these children don't go into these, you know, wonderful. They go into homes and, and placement areas with other children and they do their best to get them into foster care, to find families to take care of them, just what they were doing with these children that were coming across the border illegally. But yet we want to, the Dems and the Liberals, want a separate standard for them, not for us. And it's just mind-boggling. If I break the law, I either, you know, I have to go to court, I pay a fine, or I serve jail time. They break the law and we want to give them a get-well card. I I just don't understand it. I, I, I can't wrap my arms around it. And I know most of your listeners are in the same boat as me, but I, I just do not understand how there are two separate standards. There's the law-abiding citizens of the United States, and then there's the, the people who break our laws who are not citizens, but we should roll out the red carpet for them exclusively. And, you know, and if what, we're going
1: to Washington – go ahead. No, I was going to say what gets me is that they're saying they're ripping the children from the arms of their parents. And yet when they start to do the background checks on these alleged parents, they have found that a lot of them are not relatives at all, have no relationship to the child whatsoever. They're just kids they picked up off the street and carried across the border illegally. Uh, they found that they, they've captured several rapists and murderers, uh, drug dealers, MS-13 gang members. And so and they're all screaming, unite the children right away. But you're finding that you're going to give them to a pedophile. Are you, really? Do you really want to do that instead of trying I, to make sure? No, no, you have to reunite them right now. Well, it
4: doesn't work that way in the United States. It does not work that way in the United States of America. If you have your child taken from you because you have broken the law, they go and they find out everything they can about you before they reunite you with your child. We have to. It's it's one of those things. We are at war, and every time that the left thinks that they can put their hands on something and get a platform or a grasp, they jump on it. I mean, it's the same thing they did with after Parkland, you know, gun control. They've got to, you know, everybody. We don't need guns, and and that didn't catch. So now they're moving back to immigration, and the challenge is immigration. The laws need to be a. We need to go back and look at the laws and firm them up because. Congress, and when I get there, you know, I'll be either A, part of the solution, or B, part of the problem. I've always been a solution finder, so I think I'll be on the solution side. But Congress has yet to tighten this up. It has been years. We need to change the visa program. We need to end chain migration. We need to be able to find a way, like my way of, of offering to fund the border wall would be to charge toll coming from Mexico to the U.S. We need to, we need to do that, and, and have people that are actually crossing the border pay for the border and not the taxpayers, because the last thing somebody needs in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or here in South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, who doesn't ever go to the border, why are they having to pay for there? Let people going over across it, $10, a day, $10 per car, 500,000 cars a day pass through from Mexico into the United States. That's $1.65 billion a year. That would pay for the wall. And for all those Democrat liberals, yeah, I mean, simple solutions. Let's think out of the box here. But All those Democrats and liberals that are talking about the wall, I have to ask them, and they're so, oh, we want open borders. So does that mean you're going to take all the doors off the front of your house? And all those that you have a fence around your backyard for your children, are you going to take those fences up? Because it's the exact same thing. You want to protect your house, but you don't want to protect your country.
2: I just wanted to add that um the left the left will always attach themselves to um any issue that's on an emotional level that advances or they think will advance their cause and I I mean regardless of whether it's against our laws or not because they believe that strategy will win, you know, them voters and win them position and, and office at election time and and that's just I, the way I think they, they, they feel and why well, they, that's do they
4: do what they exa- do. And I'm sorry, who is that speaking? It's my co-host, it, Curtis
2: Bennett. C.S. Bennett.
4: Hi, Curtis. No, you are exactly right. right. I mean, and that's that's the hardest part is that, you know, you, you put these pictures, you know, of these children being ripped from their arms. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. How about we, we go, to, go downtown Charleston where we have, you know, somebody who is on opioids and their kids are being ripped from their arms and put that picture on there. Because we have that problem we need to deal with. And, and that's a reality. And those are US citizens that need our help. We need to have more of worrying about what happens inside of our own country with our own people that are in need and pull at the heartstrings of that than worry about people that are not US citizens. And if you wanna become a citizen, there is a process. If you really need to declare asylum, we have a means and a method for that. We're not saying that it doesn't happen. I mean, asylum uh, is granted every day in the United States. But it's, it's not you can walk across the border and declare asylum. You have to have, you know, a, a true um, need for it, whether it be political or religious persecution. And last I checked, there wasn't a great deal of, you know, political or religious persecution going on in Mexico, going on in a great deal of the South American countries that are, that are flooding the borders. There are a few, but the vast majority there isn't, and they're just playing to the heartstrings. And it's sad how far away from center we have gotten, and we need to get back there. It's, it's at our nation's best interest.
1: You know, it's funny. They'll, they'll pander to illegal aliens, and yet they ignore the homelessness that we have growing in the United States in Democratic-held enclaves, as well as veterans. They ignore the no. growing number of homeless veterans or veterans who have had their rights, you know, trampled on through a dysfunctional VA. No, no, that's that's not that that's not going to get us votes because you know what happens? That's mostly in areas where we're not going to get votes anyway, so we don't care about them. No, I I couldn't agree more. I was you know what the
4: So here in uh, the Low Country, we have um, I think the fifth largest VA in the country, and you know I go and I, I meet frequently with the people that work there and there's some they they really are amazing people trying to do great things but we in South Carolina we're the number two low rate retirement community in the the country right now we have a lot of people from the military moving to this area to retire and it is causing you know it's putting a huge strain on the physical building itself I mean Ralph H. Johnson's They can't build out, nor can they build up. So I'm not exactly sure how we're supposed to increase the capacity when we have that kind of restraint. But we should be focusing on that in South Carolina 1. How are we going to take care of these people that have volunteered to protect our freedom and protect our lives and give them the care that they need? And, you know, this this whole fake news thing that the the Dems and the left are doing, it's it's anti-American. To my in my words it's anti-american we are so much better than that and how are we going to get there is electing strong conservative voices to go to washington to stand firm and not get caught up in the noise and just get the real work of congress done
1: well that's what we need people like you and the listeners should know that we do have someone challenging a conservative challenging Clyburn. So you may have a partner in crime once you get to D C. And uh oh, the gentleman so. was I, at the meeting. Go yes, ahead.
4: I met him. He he gave me his card and, and I I mean that, you know, they say I took, you know, the David and Goliath. He's into David and Goliath. I mean, that truly is a huge race, but it's never say never and that's why, you know, everybody listening you know, I, I make it my moniker, the blue wave, you know, isn't going to wash on the shores of South Carolina. But the reality is we as Republicans, as conservatives, need to come together. We need to be as, as in, and engaged and as interested as what the Dems managed to do. I mean, they managed to get a heck of a, so, you know, trending on social media. They managed to get the, the media to follow their agenda. We as Republicans need to band together. We need to, to help each other, not put each other down, and work to get our message, our, our values, back into the mainstream media to say, this is what we want. And every time we get, you know, the, the, the left blows up at President Trump, somehow or another once the dust, death death, things are for the better, and this community you know and everybody in your listening audience do your fair share to help get conservatives in elected into this this session you know whether it's if you can donate time donate time if you can donate money you know i get a lot of 5 dollar donations you know every day online and i can't tell you I write the same thank you card as I do for a $5,000 donation as I do for a $5 donation because it means I've earned someone's support. And that's what we need to do, support each other, unite to get that the work done. And that's going to be critical in November because if we sit on our laurels, there is always a potential that we could lose a seat and if we finally get you know, bonded together and do it, we can roll seats like Clyburn's district that has been, gosh, how long has Jim Clyburn been in office?
1: 26 oh, years? <laughs> I mean, Long on. before I moved here. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I mean, moved here in 2001. We need to get together. So
4: everybody in the listening audience, you know, my website is votekatiearrington.com. I would love anybody that would want to support their time. They can make a donation. But also get involved in your local community. I mean, the event Wednesday night in Beaufort was amazing. To have that many people come together for a common cause, we need to do more to do that. And I appreciate this show that you do and the fact that you're you're doing it to, to educate and to give everybody a voice and a platform. I thank you for that. Um, but we, we need to work hard, and, and we need to ensure that, you know, the things that we need done get done in Washington.
1: Well, we got callers popping up uh, if you would like to take a couple of them.
4: I can take just a few. I've got like four minutes left on this, one, then I've got one more interview. But go ahead and
1: give me what you can in the time. All right. All right. Well, I've got Cool Mike in on the line. Cool Mike was a former co-host of mine, and he works tirelessly for conservative causes up in Michigan. Go ahead, Mike.
6: Um, first of all hello first of all we're praying for you and your recovery and your family thank you um number one is um when did you decide to challenge mark like what was going on i always find it amazing when underdogs or so-called perceived underdogs um decide you know i've had it with these establishment hacks or these just these big shots uh and secondly um what was going through your mind election primary night? Because I can tell you, we only know of you and Annie and I and many around the country. We are doing somersaults on your behalf. And I'll well, I'll listen. Uh, I'll mute myself and listen to your response because there's probably more people want to get in on the queue.
4: Mike, that phenomenal question. So why I decided to run when I was in the state house? Um, the things that were bothering me every time I hit, you know, why aren't we making this better? Well, it's the federal government, and I'll call Mark Stanford. I've been calling Mark and sitting in his office, you know, since 2013 when he went back. And his vote, when I would call, I would get some ridiculous staffer to tell me, not ridiculous, they're, they're hardworking people, but just the response was so ridiculous
1: to me. Um, but
4: the thing that really churned me was when Steve Scalise got shot and Mark Sanford went on national TV and blamed the president. And that was it. It was game on at that point, Um but uh, and and going, you know, everybody around me that you know, all all of the people like, oh, he's never lost, and I kept joking around. Well, neither have I. I want to, you know, I've never lost. So you know, he has had more wins, but our 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 batting record was the exact same. same. Um, election night, um, I did a lot of praying to God about giving me the courage, whatever the voters decided, to giving me the courage to do the right thing, whether if I lost was to concede with grace and to, you know, put my, you know, whether it made me cringe or not, but to stand by Mark because he was a Republican nominee, and if I won, to do the same, to have the class and the dignity to lead by example and to ensure that I I led with always being a listener, always remember that I'm a servant to this community. I want to be a servant leader. And then when, um, and I'll be very honest with your your listening audience, uh, uh, Annie and and Mike and and Curtis, um, when he came out on stage, I knew I won. And I dropped to my knees and I prayed to God, and then I hit the wall three times, and I said a profanity, and I cried, and then I got myself composed. (laughs) And I I would try to do a somersault, but back then I was wearing high heels and it wasn't going to (laughs) happen.
6: And just so you know i did uh, I did make a contribution to your campaign. We need more- we need more Katies and we need more annies we need more cool mics to step to the plate uh you know these people tend thank to forget you. they work for us and you it's know exactly i, I you know for thank a person you, Mike, who on you. you're welcome for a person on her night, first thing she does is drop to her knees and thank God that says a lot not only about a lot about you but it says a lot about who we're electing. Uh, to Congress. Well, so I'm going to mute thank
1: myself. You. Okay. and I'll do one more, Annie. Well, Kate. <laughs> oh, man, Katie, you are absolutely wonderful. Uh, people can find your website. It's your name, VoteKatieArrington.com, And like you said, even $5 is a great help. It, it makes all the difference in the world. And I'll tell you, when
4: I'm sitting here with both of my legs in casts
1: and, you know, lying on
4: my couch making phone calls, when my phone shows me a donation has been made, it really does give me something. And to your listening audience, I am not backing down on my campaign pledges. I'm only taking the salary of the average in the 1st Congressional District, which is 52000 to pay for my housing and food while I'm in Washington. The other $125,000 on or about will be donated to charity in the 1st Congressional District. Every year I'm elected because this is about service over self. Term limiting myself to four terms, eight years, if you want me every two years. And I'm declining the congressional retirement benefits because I don't think it's fair that you have to serve 20 years in the military to receive retirement benefits, and Congress is not under the same rules. So I'm not backing down on those. I want to be a servant leader. I want to be a citizen legislator. And it, it is my honor and distinguished pleasure to be on
1: this radio show. Oh, Katie, we love you. You know that. <laughs> we do. Mm-hmm. And right, well, we, we will be voting afternoon. for you. Well, thank you. You too, Katie. And you all have
4: a blessed afternoon. i got to hop on and jump on another uh, interview. But thank you, Annie, for your, for your prayers, for your listening audience, to Mike, to Curtis. Thank you for your prayers. First and foremost, God is what pulled me through this accident and the prayers of this community are what are sustaining my recovery. So thank you so much. Go get them. God bless
1: Katie. All right. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. Katie Arrington. Uh, she's running for South Carolina district one uh, to replace Mark Sanford. Just check her out. Vote uh, Katie com. Thanks Mike for the, um, for the donation to her. Um, I want to bring in one more caller. Mike, stay on the line, okay? We've got someone up in the Memphis area. You're on the air live with Southern Sense. I'm your hostess, Annie, the radio chick with my co-host, Curtis. Uh, who am I speaking to? How
7: are you doing? My name is Anthony. I am from the Chiricahua San Carlos Apache Reservation in San Carlos, Arizona, currently residing in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I just wanted to um, ask you guys a question. Um, so Sure. While the hostility between the American parties on the left and the right continue to escalate, I can't help to feel that we as Indigenous people are still being denied our rights to sovereignty, and to have the room to challenge the BIA and IRA laws that are, you know, regulations um, that have been forced on us through the colonial system. That are also these laws that are BIA and these laws that are um, tribal governments. Uh, oriented are in bed with the colonial systematic ideologies and structures so there are traditionalists like myself who reject the entity of america be they democratic or republican or socialist as a whole and seek full sovereignty Which your president is completely but your people now listen, listen hear me out your your president is completely attacking invasively attacking our child and challenging our sovereignty and continuing the long
1: American tradition of breaking our traditional treaty right, laws Anthony, and indigenous Anthony, tribal protocols. All right, Anthony, this is Anthony. This is not what our show is about today. We have done shows on this subject in the past, but this is not what the show is about. So I thank you for the call, and I hope you continue to listen in. Okay, uh, Mike, I was going to ask you a question. What, I, I sent you a text, which you did not answer. What is up with Justin
6: Amash? Well, what any. Is okay, hang on mind? a second. Well, many people ask Justin, and as always, I'm the—I'm ex- not an excuse maker for Justin Amash, but okay, ICE—I obviously support ICE, and I would never support getting rid of it without a backup plan. But you know, there—he mm-hmm. has Justin Amash posts on his Facebook page, um, and and this was this didn't really meet this vote was more or less like a moral support behind ICE. But Justin has issues with Homeland Security, with ICE, and many others on Fourth Amendment issues. And his voting record is consistent. Has he lost his mind? Yes, he lost it a long time ago. And he's alienated an awful lot of us. I'm not, He didn't alienate me through his voting record. He alienated me because, I mean, like Mark Stanford, he just kind of takes people for granted. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, he has his reasons for voting the way he does. And he votes constitutional, you know. That's that's just how. That's the only way I can respond. And Annie, the, third, the reason I didn't respond when you sent it to me is I did not know he had voted no. I had to do some research um, on the issue,
0: and it was late. It was late at
6: night. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's. You know, he is. His voting record is consistent. It's constitutional, but you know, he, he, I don't know. I, I guess in many ways. You have to have social skills as well. You can never take for granted it. Katie won by a handful of votes. And those are the handful that probably Mark St- uh, Sanford alienated. I mean, you had him on the show, actually, Annie. It,
1: was, I, well, it wasn't ahead. as close as you think. She 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 got him by double digits.
6: she, she I actually thought she got won him by, by, by like digits. 600 votes or something. Well, either way. No. My point being, and that's what's happening here. Um, Even... From a political standpoint, he should have voted yes with a reason why and that, you know, he had serious issues. From a political standpoint, uh, uh, you know, he he just – I mean, there are other ways of committing political suicide. <laughs> but, but anyway, he, he, he does what he does, and I can't make excuses for him, but I will say his voting record is constantly constitutional. So – Okay. And
1: well,
3: you
6: I, know, I I do think I do, think, I Andy, that you are correct. Social- well, here's the thing: is that is that it creates a um, it creates a you're with them uh, mentality or uh, viewpoint from your lay person who supports Trump, who's sick of these uh, all this nonsense. And they even this morning, yesterday morning, no, this morning, yesterday morning. These radicals, they lay right in the middle of the street, and nobody has the nerve to keep going. Everybody stops. But anyway, point being is it makes Justin look like he supports them, even though he does not. Um, and, you know, I, I think it was a mistake, but he is consistently – I did listen to a radio interview, and he's consistent. He is consistent with, the, with his vote. His voting record is consistent, and he clearly doesn't like Trump, let's, let's be honest. I don't know that he likes the progressives as as much, but you know that's certainly another well, one of those. Uh, um, you know, and where we support the Constitution, but I mean, seriously, I mean, we have these radicals that are just—they want to abolish borders, they want to abolish ICE, they want—I uh, mean, anyway, I, I, that's the best answer I can give, and I know it's a half-ass answer. I apologize, but well, you that's know, what it is.
1: I, I do. I do consider Mark, you know, a friend of mine, you know, I I have debated him on numerous different subjects. And uh, when we had uh, Boehner being elected as Speaker of the House, he and I had a long conversation over that. And uh, I I understand why he lost because he has alienated a lot of the base here, especially if they're military, because they consider him, he went AWOL when he disappeared into Argentina and, this is a heavy, heavy military community here, and he got a lot of these military men and women very, very angry. They felt that he should never have been you know, elected to uh, the Congress again. Um, he also was uh, not as well informed on veteran issues, which is very strange because we've had him at our Tea Party meetings. And we had to educate him on what the veteran issues are. You're representing a district that is primarily military. That is, that's your, your humongous voting base, and you're not going to be aware of veteran issues. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of things that really turned people off. And then when he went and started to openly challenge Trump, that's where he it with everyone else. So, I mean, Katie's right. We have to stick together as a party. We can't let – We can't eat our own. Let the Democrats do that because they're doing a fine job right now. Let's not imitate the Democrats. Let's not eat our own.
6: Well, you know, in in the two years he's been in office, I don't know about you two, but I think he's the best president in my lifetime, Donald Trump is. And um, although I may disagree on certain issues, he's the best we've had, so I'm going to roll with him. He he clearly puts America, (laughs) he clearly puts the American workers and the trade barriers that nobody has dared touch, he has. So my point is, uh, you know, he's an America first type person. We need to be behind him. That's my, Absolutely. That's my thinking. Mike,
1: if, if you want to st- stick around, we're going to do a round table with our next guest who's up in the line cold and called in early, so thank you for doing that, Larry Harvey, uh, Putnam County Commissioner out of Florida. Good afternoon, Larry. How are you doing today?
8: Good afternoon, how are you doing, Ann? Appreciate you having me on the show well, It is, it is Commissioner a pleasure Mr. Bennett, how are you, was, sir?
2: Just fine, and we also glad have to have us, you back uh,
1: We also have with us on the line uh, A former co-host of mine Prior to Curtis, Cool Mike Out of Michigan So we're going to have a fun with the round table uh, We were talking about Trump derangement syndrome Just a little while ago And I had a crack up uh, because they've got a group uh, together, and Nancy Pelosi somehow or other is behind this, uh, that sits outside of the White House. And they even put together a, uh 18-piece mariachi band <laughs> playing across the street from the White House just to drive Trump and his staff crazy. And I, I, I'm thinking, hmm, mariachi music. I happen to like it. <laughs> so it would, to me it would be soothing. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. <laughs>
8: It's better when margaritas are being served, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you, I, just, you have to laugh or you just cry. I mean, as silly as things are in this country right now. And, you know, I often wonder why are we talking about making America great? You know, what is the controversy there? We all should agree that. We want our country and our communities to be great again. But for some reason, some people don't, and I don't understand why.
1: So. Well, I just don't understand you know, the victory, all the hatred, and the viciousness that we're seeing. And we had a caller in a little bit earlier saying, well, it's on both sides. Well, maybe some people on the right have that problem, but the vast majority of us do not. You know, you didn't see such hateful things under Obama. God forbid I had done one-tenth of those things on this show under Obama. I would have been shut down so fast, it would be unbelievable.
8: Right. No, you're right. And it's a big divide right now, but for no reason at all. We're all Americans. And at the end of the day, I want to see every American rise up and do better than what they've done in the past. And that's You know, if I can fault the prior administration at all, why didn't they try to help people in the minority races rise up to be better than what is going on? You know, I I tell you a story, Ann. When I was – my mom was a single parent. She she put herself through nursing school, and she died when she was 32 years of age. I was nine years old. I remember standing in the government line to get food. And I told my mom, I'll never stand in that line again. And I started mowing grass, you know, and I started working at seven years old. And it didn't kill me, and we didn't stand in line again. You know, we ate minimal food, let me say that. But, you know, that's what this country's about. You want to get out and get to work, get out and get to work. But make, make it better for everybody, and that's what I want to see. That's how I apply it to my county commission. To be frank with you, uh, everything I want Putnam County to do better. When our county does does better, our state does better, our nation does better. We all celebrate in the victory of doing better. At that point.
2: And that's so true. Well, that so you, true.
8: You Jay, man, on that one. Yep. <laughs> but it's
1: true. You know, we have the ability to better ourselves. Instead, we're seeing coming from the left, you know, it's better off if you're a victim. That way you stay on the public dole. And the more we can keep you on the public dole, the more you're going to vote for Democrats. So raising yourself up by your bootstraps is bad. But being dependent upon the government is good because it keeps getting me reelected. And this is a mentality we have to stop.
8: You're right, but why do we i mean why do they, why do they think that's better? I don't understand that, and I will say this i don't when when someone calls me for government to fix the problem, I'm going to tell you something that's the worst thing you can call me for. Government can't fix the problem. We take your money and we fix the problem, but we don't fix it like we should. We throw money at it. And you know yourself in small business. I had a small business for 28 years out here in our town. Throwing money at the problem doesn't make the problem go away. It just continues to feed the animal. And we've got to look at how do we get people out of that that situation. And I I tell you, I think jobs is one of the best things we can do. Uh, When someone has a job and they start paying taxes and they see what comes out of their paycheck, they go, Hey, wait a minute. I don't mind helping my fellow man, but let me decide how to help my fellow man. You know? Um, so I, I really do believe that America's great. I think we're going to great do greater and better things, and I wish this hatred would stop because I think when people see that we'll all rise up and we'll all do better at that point.
2: Well you know, you know I think the
1: music is Oh, I'm sorry Chris. I was going to say what I find amazing is is that you're right. Government can't throw money at problems. We have the push for welfare to work, but in the past we've also had private charities which did a lot of this. You know, we took it away from the private charities and gave it to government and it's been messed up ever since. Go ahead, right. Chris.
2: Yeah, I think um the left feel the way they they do about government being the solution to all our problems is is because in reality, those on the left do not believe in our capitalist system. they think it 's unfair and they think it's um advantageous to only the wealthy and the powerful, so they don 't believe in it so they they have this this idea of the rest of America, <clears throat> excuse me, especially in the minority you know sector as being victims who must be helped so that that's my but, you, my you know, reflection Curtis, on that.
8: My, um, my dad did not believe in handing out money. My dad believed in if I wanted something after my mom died, he came back and raised us in Placum, and he believed if you wanted something, you worked. Dad would take you yep. back to school shopping, but he would take you at the discount store. I didn't want to shop at the discount store. So I had the bus drop me off at a horse farm where I cleaned stalls and men's fences and got to drive the man's truck that, that could afford to pay me, let me say like that. And I was able to buy the Wrangler jeans that I wanted, or I was able, I'm sorry, probably shouldn't have been, I was able to buy the clothes that I desired at that point because I had a job from a man who could afford to pay me. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's capitalism at its best. And, you know, how goofy an idea can be, that's your idea. You can go out and make all kinds of money with it. I'm not a book writer like you are, Curtis, uh, Mr. Bennett, but I can tell you one thing. I applaud you for what you do, but you go out and you beat the streets and you promote your books and people buy those books and they're good books. So That's that's the American way. That's what we do here in this country, you know. You wanna buy a lawnmower at seven years old and start cutting grass? You
6: start cutting grass,
8: you know, you you do those yeah. things that can better you and better the community, you know? Mr. Harvey, a quick question yeah. on my
6: end. Why the why the love with the generation of socialism? What is it? What kind of sugar are they getting fed or whatever that just sees these people I don't wanna say they're like Nazis, but it's almost like they are just utterly convinced this is the way and the light and the truth. I mean, what? What? What is with it? Uh,
8: I wish I could explain that to you. I mean, I really do. I, I, I know one thing: when I eat plenty of donuts, I want to continue eating donuts. The sugar makes me fat and happy and zombied out. Um, but reality sets in one day when my pants don't fit and I can't, I can't <laughs> breathe anymore. I mean, and and then I got to make that decision and looking in the mirror, going. I did this to myself, you know. Um, so, I, again, I believe when when anybody, including me myself as a conservative Republican, if I ever had the idea that government can fix the problem, then I've lost sight of what what, what we really are in there for. We're in there to help our better, our man, our friends, our neighbors get better at their community and better at their life. So. I, I don't know why these people who are are left wing and and think they have all the answers get to make this power struggle that you know we're all a bunch of racists and 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 haters because we don't want to support. I want to support those people, but let me decide if I want to. Don't take my money and do it without my permission.
1: Well, see, they're, they're being fed the utopian society ideal that, hey, everyone is equal, everyone will get an equal piece of the pie, we will have food for you, we will take give you housing, we will take care of you, so you don't have to worry about taking care of yourself. And in the end, like an animal farm, it always falls apart. You know, exactly what happens in 1984 in animal farm, it will always fall into a tyranny. And they have not seen that happen. Or if they have, they haven't recognized it for what it is. You know, communism failed in Russia. Communism always fails. Vietnam, even though they call themselves communists, is more capitalist than it is communist. You know, it will Uh always, always fail. But yet they're being fed this pablum, and they're being fed by, you know, these socialist educators that we've had infiltrating our, our levels of education from pre-kid all the way up through university, and we've allowed it to be infiltrated. We haven't pushed back with a conservative message strong enough. So in a large part, we did it to ourselves by by being quiet. Mm -hmm. And I think the cat is out of the bag, and we're quiet no longer. We're starting to see a pushback, and I do have hope, Larry, because we had our county GOP meeting on Wednesday where Katie Arrington was our guest speaker, and there was a young kid there from Young Republicans. They are organizing. They are organizing Mm -hmm. in high schools now, which is a good thing. And as he was was finishing up his speech, he goes, you'll be surprised. There are far more of us than there are of them. So these kids are starting to reach out to those of us in the older generation saying, hey, we're here. We can work the computers. We know all the social networks. You need us. We're here to help, which
8: is a good thing. There is a red tide rising. Plus, they got a job, and they're paying taxes, and they're buying things, and they're realizing that this is what the American way is all about. You know, if I want something better, I should be able to go out and get it. I don't want to be put in the same pool as everybody else. You know, I remember years ago when I first got married, um, this is when that multi-level marketing stuff was going on hot and heavy, as you recall, around the country. And this guy said, Well, Larry, wouldn't you come home and dig in your backyard if you knew there was gold back there? I said, no, you don't know me. I would quit my job and dig full time for gold. That's me. If there's an opportunity for me to better myself and better my family, I'm I'm throwing myself in 100% at that point. And now that I'm in an elected position, I look at that as my community also. I throw myself in at 100%. Because I want everyone to do better. Young kids, you know, and I remember when I was very young, got married and had my business, and I was teaching junior achievement at the local high school for the Chamber of Commerce. We got rid of all that stuff. And it's so sad to me that a a young girl that works for me now in the campaign, I sent her up to buy stamps the other day, and she didn't know how to fill out a check. She graduated high honors in her class last year and i'm like how do you not know this how do you not know these things that that society is built on our our fundamentals our basics you know and we're not preparing people to get out there we're, we're trying to indoctrinate them in this socialist society message when we should be saying you can be whatever you want to be you can have the wildest dream you want go out and make money pay back your society and enjoy yourself. Make things better for everybody else. That's what we should be doing.
5: Yeah. You know,
1: we we have to look really hard at our educational system. You know, this fed ed is just not working. We need to get it back down to the local level. And another good thing is our local community uh, county school board has so incensed excited and angered our local county that there are seven seats up for running. And there's challenges for just about every one of them.
3: Wow. And it's good because
1: the community has said it's time to take our board of education back. It's, it's just being run by a school superintendent that is, and the board is just rubber stamping whatever crazy idea this guy has. And they've come after us looking for tax increases consistently with no real plan in mind on how they're actually going to spend it. So the community has said enough is enough and Every single day I open the paper, the last three days in a row, someone new has stepped up to challenge one of the seats. And this is what we have to right. do. Once we can take our education back, we can bring them back to the founding principles and maybe <laughs> keep
8: America great again. You know, I'll go back to my 11th grade year where I was re- really dreading getting this one teacher. I had heard about her her um, demeanor. And but I was in another school in another on the other side of town, but they put the two high schools together this my junior year. In my first semester, she I got her naturally as a teacher and she, Mr. Harvey, is there a problem? And I said, Yes. Miss Thomas, you gave me an F. Oh, Mr. Harvey, I did not give you an F, you earned an F. And had there been a G or H, you'd have received that, but there wasn't. And that stuck with me so hard that the next semester, I earned a B in her class. And I tell people that story all the time. I earned that F, and I did skate by, but I wasn't about to let her win. And she wasn't, and she didn't, and when she died, I stood up at her funeral and told that story to her family. And uh, they all laughed because they knew that was her. But, you know, sometimes reality needs to slap you in the face and say, look, it's you, it's not society. It's you. Get off your butt and go to work. There's, you know, in our little town right now, in Putnam County, 32177 zip code, 480 jobs within a 10-mile radius. 480. There weren't that many jobs in the 70s when I graduated from high school. But 480. No one should be without a job right now. No one in this area should be without a job. Uh, never mind, I get on my soapbox <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Well that's what we're here for, we want you on the soapbox but I know, show, but you,
2: you know. know Well I think that you know, um, it's pretty- Honestly the, the people That want to go out and do it Government tells them You know, you can't do it without government Those who go out and do it without government the Government saying, no you didn't do it without us <laughs> And uh yeah. And when it comes to um, what Mike brought up earlier, uh, once again, I'll say the message is not getting out to especially the minority community that you can um, go out and do great things on your own. You don't need government. And, um, and another reason why these folks keep um, promoting socialism and communism is because um, in, in light of all the failures in the other countries around the world, they just think it wasn't done right. And that when they take over, they'll do it the right way. So they're persistent. I have to give the left that. They are very persistent.
8: But, you know, are no. we all going to go back and live in a commune state where we all share the bread at night? But then when I look over to Anne's plate and she has more bread than I do, you know, I'm going to go, wait a minute. Why do you have more than I do? You know, I mean, this is silly. This. America was not built on that. We were built on freedoms, and as silly as your freedom wants to be. as silly as an idea, I mean, look at some of the things that we cell phones nowadays, and just pick anything that 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 you go, "Wow, ten years ago, this didn't even exist into the capacity it was today. But that's the American way. You have the ability to invent or improve something to make people's lives better and make money, why would you not want to do that? And why would you want government to even interfere? The last thing I want to do as an elected official is to get government in your way. My job is to get government out of your way because when it's out of your way, you have the ability to rule free and to make these decisions to employ people Makes everybody a better community
2: when that happens. So. Yeah, I just think that individuality is something that the left has demonized. You know, they are into collectivism, so that's right. their mindset. So anytime one individual like like you excel at school or something, that's that's not good. You know, I mean you have a unfair advantage. So what they do, they come up with awards for everybody, so nobody ever lose. And then when they get out here and, and you know, the real world, you know, scenario, and they lose, they don't know how to handle that, so they want to go shoot up everybody because they didn't learn how to lose because when they were in school, everybody got something.
8: Well, I remember a time in the 70s when we drove our trucks to school and we had the guns in the back window and we went hunting afterward. We never thought about taking those guns and shooting people up, and we did lose. You didn't get picked for every team. You didn't get you, the best. Got picked, and if you wanted to be picked, you worked your butt off and got picked. And if you didn't want to, you didn't. You didn't enter into that, and you went out and did something differently. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's what this world's about. It's about people who rise up and have that dream and can create jobs and create opportunities for those of all who, those who might not ever. I always said my dad would have been a great business owner. But he was always scared to, to step out. He liked working the mill work, 8 to 5, come home, drink some beer, eat dinner, go to bed, get up the next day. That wasn't me. I was like, no, I can't do that. I want to do better than that. I want my pay to be, to be what I earned, not what somebody told me I was going to earn. You know, I remember my first sales job as an insurance agent, I said, just how much can I make? Well, you'll make about 300 a week. What's it take to make 400 a week? Well, you got to do that. What's it take to make 500? That's what I wanted to know because I wanted to work, make money and have time off of my family. That was my goal in life. And we did very well doing that. So but, Well, what we're over.
1: seeing now in today's society is that these kids if the least little insult against them and they go running crying. I'm being, you know, picked on or whatever. The kids today are growing up with no thick skin at all. You know, you may say something in jest and it's taken as a deliberate insult. You know, if you call them a he instead of a she because he thinks he is a she, heaven forbid, you know, the thick skin is no longer there. And so the least little thing they take it offense to. You know, we have to teach these kids. This is not how life, life is unfair. It will always be unfair. So get over it. Get over yourself and grow a spine. But we're not That's telling right. these kids this today at all. And so it's okay well, that the moment someone in, does the least little thing, heaven forbid, even look at you the wrong way, you go running right to the authorities, oh, they're picking on me. So they have, to be, they have to be Nazis. They have to be fascists. They have to be homophobes. They have to be this. They have to be that. So it's okay for problem. them to call the names on us, but the moment we say grow a spine, it's wrong. This is another I, problem we have with the education of our kids.
8: I, I don't want to hog the conversation with my stories, but I'll, I'll tell you a quick one. I was um, I owned the corner office there at our our little town, and and when, and I took pride in owning it. So I'm, I was like the best landlord in the world, pressure washing almost every weekend, and cleaning the i was working myself to death well out there one day i was mowing the yard and this kid come and, and mowed down my hedges that i had planted with his car and i stopped him and i took his keys out and i said you're going to walk home well then his daddy came up and his daddy got in my face and said you disrespected my son i said no i didn't he never earned my respect to begin with you know if if I would have done that, my daddy would have had a belt on my butt for that. I didn't just get respect. I had to earn respect growing up. And these kids nowadays or were think that they can just be respected. Well, earn it. If you really want my respect, earn my respect. It will be a lot better that way. Yeah.
1: You know, my parents were the same way because I remember <laughs> my younger brother and younger sister uh, took a dislike to one of our neighbors for whatever reason. And she had planted all these beautiful color flowers on her front guard. They went and they pulled them all up. And when my mom came home and my dad came home, they heard about that. They made the two of them go back across the street and plant everyone back into the ground. And from that day forward, they learned. So it, this is what was not happening. You know, it, the parents are now depositing the kids in the public school system and letting them raise their children for them. They have abrogated any responsibility and this is what we have to bring back. The parents have to be held responsible for their child's actions.
8: That's right. Well, I tell you one thing. I was responsible for my action with my dad and my mom and it didn't hurt my it didn't hurt me at all. And the day I could not live under the rules of my father anymore. I left home and I created my own rules and I made for myself and people helped me because they saw me trying to do better in my life and I don't mind helping anybody as anybody on this call I would think would do the same thing but I don't want it taken from me and giving to someone who I don't think is, is trying to help themselves. So.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because I was waitressing uh, in a uh, restaurant one time. I had owned my own business back in the late 70s, early 80s. But to supplement my income, because I really wasn't pulling in that much uh, in the small business, mm. I went and waitressed and hostesses and everything else. And I'm taking care of the bar area one night, and I'm working my tail off. And I'm looking for the busboy to bust the tables. I he cannot find him anywhere. I ended up doing my entire shift, busting the tables myself. The owner of the restaurant came up to me and said, you left, you're leaving without giving the busboy a tip. And I said, he didn't work on a single table. I'm not giving him a penny. <laughs> and the owner and I got into a fight over that. And I said, listen, I did the entire work. He didn't earn a single penny. He did not touch a single fork, or spoon, or cup. So from that point on, I'm not giving him any money unless he works the room with me. I That's didn't. Right. But you know, the next time I had a shift, that busboy was busing.
8: Yeah exactly I used to bag groceries at our local store when I was a kid and I would just beg to work on Saturday because you didn't make that much an hour but if you were really kind and took people's groceries out you could make a lot in tips and I was one of the most kindest individuals at that moment because I wanted I wanted to bag their groceries the way they wanted wanted to put them in the car they the way they wanted and you get three three dollars for a tip that was good money and but I didn't want to share that, and you're right about that, because I earned that money. No one else earned that but me at that point. Now, again, and, if somebody you needed made,
2: help, I help. you help. You, you made a good point there, because today children really don't dress for success. I mean, you don't have to really be decked out, you know, big time in a shirt and tie all the time, but this uh-huh. this notion of going around with your pants hanging off your rear end, and tattoos all over your body and nose rings and, you know, all over the place. I'd be afraid to hire somebody like that.
8: Right. Well, you're selling an image, and you're you're presenting your business out in public, and it's got to be done right. And, and it doesn't take that much money to dress for success. Um, I brag all the time about the clothes I find at Goodwill. I'm 57 years old. And I like to shop at Goodwill or any of the thrift stores because I find some really, really good deals there. And I look very nice. And if you clean these clothes up and take them to the cleaners and get them pressed, you can look like a million bucks without spending a million bucks. And it doesn't take that much to to put on a clean shirt, put on a pair of pants, and do the job that's required of you to do. Um, But again, we got more jobs than we got people that want to work right now. And that's sad for our society. Our society cannot financially handle that type of situation for a long period of time. We will implode. We need workers in our society. And, um, you know, don't begrudge the guy that has a, a million-dollar motorhome when you're willing, not willing to get out there and do the work because he did the work to get it. And that's how our country looks at it. We look down on those people that were successful But in my career as an insurance agent, I bet I hired over 40 people that really went on. Some went on to do huge, successful things in life. And they got the start by working in a little local insurance agent in a small town. I, I pride myself on that because that's how we make this country great, is we have a vision and we start working to create a better life for everybody else. And we don't depend well, upon the government giving that to us.
1: Well, another thing I, I see that people turn around, they take a job and they're not happy with the job, but they stay stuck in it and they feel like they can't move forward. You know, throughout my career, if I became unhappy in a job and I no longer felt like I wanted to do it, I immediately started looking. I was always looking to go up and better. So throughout my career, I've been blessed to be able to do, most of the time, jobs I enjoyed. There were some I ended up in a factory for a couple of weeks where I hated that. But I got myself out of there because I wanted to do something I enjoyed. And I think that's a difference. If if you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to strive to be better or be the best. Right. So this is something also that is not – you're not seeing it a lot.
8: Right. Well, and, you, and you're right. I mean, if you want to do something different, go out and start finding out what you really want to do and work your way to that, you know. Um, I've had people that work for me that said, I don't know if I could be an insurance agent or I don't know if I could be this. And then they come in and they find out they like it. They stay a while. And sometimes they were unhappy and they moved on to other things. But that's what this country's about. You can hit that reset button anytime you want In life and recreate yourself it gets harder as you get older let's all agree to that but it can still be done you know we still hear about the people up in my age that go on to school and and get college degrees and or get their ged thank god for those people that have a goal to do that but being handed something never really pays you it never does it never satisfies you you know i've stood in line the other day i was helping with this food share program we were doing, you know, and I was looking the ingredients on the bags of food we were passing out. And remember, my first conversation was, we kept feeding them sugar and sugar, and now they're zombied out. Well, that's what it is. They're just, here's a bag of Fruit Loops, or not Fruit Loops, but some kind of fruity cereal, help yourself. And that that doesn't benefit anybody by doing that. You know, if you're hungry, I'll feed you. But it's time to start moving forward at this point. And, and the left needs to get off our president, start moving this country forward. They don't have an argument. They sound silly in their arguments that they have. And, I, and frankly, I'm getting sick and tired of what they say all the time.
2: Well, Commissioner, you know, can funny. you tell us about your visit to the White House? Which oh, I'd be
8: glad to say, oh, I was- yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, the um, – Back a year ago, um, I was a chairman of the board of the county commissioners, and the Trump administration reached out to all the counties in Florida to bring them up to the White House. We were at the executive office, the Eisenhower office is there, and we met with the agency department heads, I mean the the big people, not not just those underneath them, but we met with the real people that could help us and the whole conversation was how can the Trump administration help Florida small counties or large counties succeed in what they're trying to do and believe me I made friends I was able to go back to the White House I was able to bring my grandkids to the White House we sat, we stood in the Oval Office on a Friday evening but we made we made friendships. So now, when I have an issue that I need help with with Putnam County, I can I can email, I can call, I can call these people and say I've been there, here's what we need. But the Trump administration reached out to America, if you will, and said, "What can we do to help you?" And that story is not being told. And and I, I want to tell it every time I get a chance to because I've never been invited by anybody else, never. And unless you're sitting at the table, you have no voice, and I had a voice that time, and I still have a voice today to be able to pick up the phone, call and say, can you get this moved up the ladder for us? We're not looking for a handout. We're just looking for a hand to help. help us up a little bit. We just, need, we just need to know what we can do in government. But I Mr. Curtis, thank you for asking me that, because honestly, again, that's where the Trump administration has really excelled in my point of view, is reaching out back to us, the people who are closest to the ground, the people who deal with the, the problems of the man that didn't get his garbage picked up and the road that needs to be graded. But we have now a direct access to the White House where we can say we have a problem here, and that helps all of us get better.
1: Uh, He he is doing a lot of reaching out. It's all quiet. No one's really talking about it. But instead, we have the left turning around about his statement on Russia and interference, uh, where he misspoke and immediately corrected himself. No, he's a treason. It's treason. It's treason. We've got (laughs) to impeach him. Instead of looking at how he has turned the economy around, how unemployment rate has dropped, how the economy has steadily been moving upwards. I think it's now at 4% GDP, and how he wow. is renegotiating treaties throughout the world to get us great deals, bilateral treaties. No more of these multilateral treaties, bilateral treaties. He even has Mexico agreeing to help build the wall finally. Yet wow. these are things that are not being talked about. Instead, wow. they, they pick out the smallest little thing and then scream treason.
8: It's amazing. And you're right, I, and it's sad because it's easy to throw dirt on the pile. But so let's be part of the solution here. And and you're right, you know, just because the left doesn't agree with us, look, you got to open your eyes one day and go, huh, maybe I made a mistake here. And and I think they they're hurting our country. They're really ripping our country to shreds by doing this. I'll, I'll say this to you. Obama was not my favorite president, but I didn't jump out there in the street and scream and holler and kick and cry. You know, I started being part of the solution on that. And when Trump came along and was running for president, I was more than eager to make America great again. And I cannot imagine in in any lifetime that I'll ever live why any American thinks that's a bad idea. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Because I look around and I can see poverty, and I see these people who have been held down by the left for so long, and their life is no better than it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago, no better. And that's not fair. That's not fair for them. So they didn't get better, and they're trying to get better now. Our, our president's trying to make life better for them, and I applaud him for doing so.
1: Well, there was this one guy, um, Stucker, a uh, kid out of New York, owns a, works as a hairdresser out of there. Uh, he started this walk away movement, and he states on his YouTube page that he was a devout liberal until he started to see the light. And if you just put in hashtag walk away up on YouTube, you would see hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of videos people are posting about walk away. And I think it's it's a steady movement. I think the Democratic Party has finally shot themselves in the foot. Uh, There's a gentleman that's running for Congress out of New York. Uh, I caught him up on Fox News. Is this actually a Democrat talking? Because he's starting to make sense. So even within the Democratic Party, they're walking away from themselves. And some of them are trying to turn the Democratic Party back into that of Kennedy, where it used to be your daddy's Democratic Party. It's yeah, not exactly. the same. It's it's completely shifted into a socialistic, a communistic party, and you have members of the Democratic Party that say they're socialist, say they're communist. There is an actual uh, caucus in Congress and the Senate that say we are communists. They sign their names down as we are communists. So you
8: know, Ann, I tell you a funny open. story. I came to work, I came to work one time, and this young lady worked for me, and. And I, I say that I'm laughing sitting here at my desk talking to you about it. But she told me, she says, you know, I, I kinda believe in, in in that communist thing. And I said, You do? And she said, Yeah, and I said, Well let's let's have a little exercise here. I said, See that guy walking down the road? Yeah. I said, He don't have a car and you've got three. Let's give him one of your cars and let him choose the one he wants, okay? I said, "You got two jet skis, is that right?" Yeah. He doesn't have any, and I said, "Let him have one." I said, "You got a house, and then you bought a house recently for your mom. Let's just give him that house." Well, Larry, that's not fair. I work for that stuff. And I said, "Exactly, exactly. Now, if you choose to give him a car, that's your business. If you choose him to give him a jet ski, that's your business. You choose to give him a house, that's your business. But why would you want?" the socialist the communist party taking something from you and giving it to him when he's not willing to work for it and she said oh i got it now so i applaud people like mr bennett there on the on the line with us right now who are out there teaching the young people that you're not getting anything from government you need to be a part of the solution and help this country become great because when we give something to you, we're taking it from somebody else is the problem. And pretty soon there's going to be a lot of a lot of receivers and not much more givers because there's not going to be nothing left. And that's not the country I want to live in.
1: You know, when, when you explain it like that, and people then do get it. And unfortunately, yeah. you will have people that no matter how you try to explain it, will never get it, you know. People don't realize that when the Pilgrims first landed here, they tried communism. They worked as a commune, and they found out that people that just didn't want to work were still getting their fair share. But once they turned around and made the person responsible for whatever they produce and keep whatever they produce, in other words, the capitalism, that worked. And those that didn't want to work or were refusing to work suddenly found out they had to work in order to survive. So all of a sudden, they had well, an incentive to take care of themselves. So communists, I said, I'll say it to the day I die, will never work.
2: Well, what did Margaret Thatcher say? Um, socialism works until you run out of other people's money. <laughs>
8: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you mean you got no more money for me to take? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but she, you know, I, if we lure go
1: ahead go ahead Larry
8: you know I have never and I'm 57 years old you know I take pride in the things that I earn in life and I hate to admit this but I'm still that young boy inside of me when somebody gives me something that I didn't pay for I don't take that great care of it like I should but when I when I personally are out there sweating and working for it I can tell you that tool gets put up better. That drill gets wiped off after it gets rained on. Those things, because they came out of my pocket, you know. I I don't want to take lightly what I'm trying to say here because it's important, but it gives you a a, a sense of being when you work for something, you achieve something, you buy something, you feel good about yourself. And that's why I started off by saying my, I think the solution that we have in this great country we live in, everybody needs to get a job. And when they see that there's a paycheck involved and they see that there's, there's self-worth there, then I don't think we have a whole country full of dependents anymore. And, frankly, I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid. I mean, I love sugar, but it's not good for my body, and I know what's not good for me. You know, and I want to earn my way through this world, and I want to help those who I want to help. But my family has seen that hard work, and they're they're doing the same thing I'm doing. And at first, when they started out, they, they thought the same thing as every young person did until they got a job. And they said, Dad, what's all this coming out of my pay? Well, those are your taxes that go to other people. Well, Dad, they're not working, and I am. Yeah, I know. And that's how this country's built. But we can do so much better. And I again I applaud President Trump and his administration for seeing that, for running for that office and reaching out to small town America and saying, How can we help? Because that's where we're at today. And I and it's not just small town. He's reaching out to everybody. He wants everybody to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And I love it when I have a seat at the table, and I can voice what's best for the citizens that I represent, and nowhere else have I ever had that before. And there, it's not just Florida. Pennsylvania, I believe California was invited. I know Ohio was invited. Uh, South Carolina was invited. There was major states that he reached out to, and I'm probably missing more than I've ever mentioned here. Uh, those are just the ones that I know about. but. He's reached out to these states, brought them up there to Washington. He didn't pay my way. I paid my way out of my pocket to go to Washington to voice my concerns for my fellow man in my district. And uh, But now, again, I have access, and I can make that call anytime I want or that email to help our citizens of, of our county and of our state and of our country. So I applaud President Trump, and I think he's done a phenomenal job. You know. I just wish everybody else would see that.
1: Well, it will be a good historian that will be able to write that history book and and show the public how good a president he is. Because we had a pastor on here, and he was a never-Trumper. And we had a pastor here from South Carolina. And I asked him, I said, how do you know God does not want this man to be president? Well, he's a sinner. He's this, he's that. I said, wait a minute. If you look at the apostles, every last one of them was a sinner. I mean, one of them tried to kill fellow Jews, uh, right. Paul. And he says, every last one of them that God has chosen to work, whatever his miracle is, was a sinner. So how do you know this sinner is not God's choice? And there's no that's answer right. to that. That's right. So, you know, well, so I'm stop going, you
3: know,
8: I'm throwing, no throwing, throwing stones.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a very glassy house.
8: Yeah, we're all sinners, you know, but we're used by God for that moment in time when he wants to use us. So, uh, yeah, I have no problem with that, you know. And, I'm again, I'm glad that President Trump is where he's at in this time of our history. You know, I, I had big doubts that we were going to make it through the last administration. And I had real, real, real concerns if we wouldn't have gotten President Trump what our country would look like today. You know, I, I hate to say that I would give up hope because I'm a, I'm a hopeful man. But it scared me. It scared me bad. And I think it scared the American people, too, where they finally said, it's time for us to wake up. And And just because we woke up doesn't mean we're haters. Doesn't mean we're haters. We I That's don't true. hate anybody.
2: You know, Commissioner. I love my Yes, sir. I grew up yes, in an age to change the topic a little bit i grew up okay. in an age where i could go to a movie theater government building theme park whatever without being scanned and going through security you know especially at the airports today that's all different you know we we're to the point now where we have to put police officers and security in our schools and schools will be starting up here pretty soon how are we doing in putnam county as far as um shoring up our schools with, um, security patrols and security apparatuses.
8: Well, you know, I'm going to, I think it was Billy, the kid, they asked him why did he rob banks? And he said, that's where the money's at. Um, you know, I think the problem that we're facing with school security is the ability to protect so many kids in such a small area. Um, I know they're working hard on the solution, but is the solution one more deputy that might be on the other side of the 20 acres of the school when some crazy person uh, decides to grab a weapon, and you heard I didn't say gun, I said a weapon, and go and do something stupid? and, And, I mean, they're making a name for themselves. I don't know the answer to that. I know that it's costing the citizens and the taxpayers more money for this to continue on. Um, But I don't know how. I don't know how we protect those kids that come unless, and I mentioned this at a a meeting the other day that I was in, unless we encourage the students to police themselves and say, you know, I know that so-and-so is having a bad time and, and I'm concerned. They're talking weird stuff, and maybe we need to tell somebody about that. Uh, I mean, every every child has a hard time growing up. We all did. None of us were exempt from that. But we didn't have the rage that's going on in today's world, and we didn't have social media, either, to to celebrate their victories when they think that they've won by causing mass hysteria in our, in our school system. And I think if we could get rid of all that, um, I think we could take that away from them. You know, maybe we wouldn't report on that. Maybe we shouldn't report on that. Might be a way to take their glory out of it. And, but I, I know our school board's working hard on a solution, um, but I'm not sure that one size is going to fit all in this, in this situation and um, it it scares me where we're going as a country with these with this Um, but again i go back to when i was in school and we kept our guns in our truck and we went hunting afterwards with no thought of taking guns or knives or baseball bats or machetes or any weapon and going in there and causing havoc we just didn't think along those lines and That concerns me of where we got, how we got to where we are today. Why do people hate that much? You know, again, I don't hate anybody. So how can someone get to that point where they hate that? I don't get it. I don't get it. You know,
1: there's a lot of things I've been thinking of because I'm just a little bit older than you. But we basically grew up in the same type of situations, me in New York, you down there. Uh, but. As I notice, as we become more technically technology advanced, the more people start to disassociate. You're no longer viewed as a fellow human being with emotions and feelings, people that can bleed just as easily as you do. You start to disassociate and you no longer see them as human. They're something other than human, so it's okay to destroy them however you feel. They're disposable. And the society has become a highly disposable society. And if it's not instant gratification, and it's not your self-gratification that's going to occur, then it shouldn't occur because no one else should feel as good as you do. This is the society that we're starting to build for these kids and no longer putting in that human factor. And this this is, again, I'll bring it back to... Failure of parents to do what they need to do and our failure as a society dumping our kids into a public school system that just can't handle this.
8: Right. Well, they're not designed for this. They're designed to educate. They're not designed to be the, the, the mecca of all good things that would ever come about. That's not what school systems are designed for, you know. And the, the structure at the home is one of the most important things. You know, when I mentioned about the young girl that couldn't write a check the other day, I I taught my own kids how to write checks. I taught my kids how to to function in society. You know, sometimes it wasn't the best lesson I could have taught them. But everything starts at home. And, you know, again, I I don't know how we solve this entitlement-type society that we live in today. You're entitled to respect the day you're born. You're entitled to respect for for everything government can hand out. How do we how did we get there? And how do we stop that and go, We can't do this anymore? As a country we're going to implode and no one's going to be successful if that happens. Period. And and well, no one wants us I can't imagine anybody wanting well, our country to fail.
1: No. And I, again, I said you have to start back at the education system. And this is the slippery slope because once you start to put the progressive ideas in there, it just the foot is in the door. Now the whole gorilla is in the entire room. And what we're seeing now is the pushback with charter schools, uh, traditional religious schools, uh, going back to traditional education, not this new progressive, this fed ed, as I call it. And you see the quality of kids coming out of these charter schools and the religious schools is far better, Better better-rounded person and a more socially adjusted individual. You don't see school shootings happening in these schools. You see them happening in the public school. So I think that the difference is with charter schools, parents, the family must donate at least 20 hours a month. So they have to be physically active in the school. So they know what the school is teaching. They know what the students are doing. And I guess because you know, of just, that, more responsibility on the parent, the child is going to be better developed.
8: I was a PTO president when my kids were in, in public school. And I tell you, to get three or four parents to come out was a, out of a 1,000 kids was successful. But I also recently retired from our, one of our, our charter schools here after being on their, their board for 10 years. When we had a function at night for the parents, it was standing room only standing room only because these parents were thankful that their kids were in this environment getting educated and that you're right Anne. they had a obligation and a responsibility to be there um, by our by our board policy basically you will participate or your children will not come here I mean that was the bottom line and I thought that was wonderful Uh, many times we would have a, a parent teacher now, and you could not walk in the building for all the people that were there. And you think, why can't this happen in public school? And and it can. We just got to get back to that. We got to build that back where the kids and the parents and the teachers are all in this together, you know. And it's not just us against them. And and this doctrination thing that they're receiving on socialism and communism in this perfect society it's not the way it's going to work, because society's fixing to hit you between the eyes when you graduate and go, "I'm not ready. Well, hello, <laughs> find something to do. you know, go to college, go to technical school, go get a job, but you got to do something. You know I often say my dad made home unbearable or I couldn't live there anymore after that. And uh, when I decided that his rules were not my rules, he was very gracious to say, "Son, there's the car." There's the door. You bought your own car. See you later. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but it didn't It didn't kill me. It didn't kill me. You know, yeah, I slept in the car a few nights. Didn't kill me. Yes, I was hungry a couple times. Didn't kill me. You know, didn't hurt me at all some days.
3: So.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you know, I have to say the church that I belong to, Uh, we opened up our own uh, school. It's a classical uh, Christian school. And we only opened it up just six years ago. And they started off with kindergarten through third grade. And they said, well, as we go along, we'll start to add additional grades. Well, the demand is so great for this school that we have already graduated two classes. And heading into college, all these kids. So we have now have a waiting list to get into the school. And one of the parishioners turned around and visited the school and he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you X amount of dollars, but you have to match my donation and you have this much time to raise it. We not only raised the matching fund, but we surpassed it, which gave our school $1.5 million to use for student tuitions that we give away as scholarship tuitions we can, well people can do it. We can convert our education system, but we have to start at the community level here. And we've got uh, seven seats in our school board are up for uh, re-election. And we have people challenging in almost every single seat. We have six out of seven being fully challenged because our, we have gotten so angry with what our school board has done to the system that we are turning it over. And, again, it has to start at the community level. We can't rely on FedEd anymore.
8: And, you know, what, what I like about your comments right there and what really gives me hope is that we can sit back and say, you know, maybe some of these parents aren't, wor- aren't really worried about it. But when something good comes along, you're seeing that your school is inundated and you had to grow your school. Somebody wants something you're giving out there. And this gentleman who pledged money or person who pledged money, you know, saw that there was value there for our society. And I can tell you, even though they're going to be free scholarships, they're not free. You're going to have accountability there. There's going to be parent involvement there. So this is an opportunity, an opportunity, and parents see that opportunity. And I think they, I think a lot of more than than what we realize, are starting to wake up and going, wait a minute. We rely on the government. We got to take this the bull by the horns and do better. We're seeing in our little county, we're seeing the left, their numbers are dropping on a alarming rate. I say big alarming, time. a successful rate. Yes, big time, right, Mr. Bennett? And you're seeing yeah. that. Despite the propaganda, despite the propaganda that we're hearing from the media, our numbers are increasing on our side. It's, it's unbelievable. You can just pull it up yourself and look at these numbers and watch what's happening. I bet this is not unusual throughout the whole United States. I think people are finally starting to go, wait a minute. We can do better. There's better out there for us. We want to do better. And, and I'm going to tell you something. You're right. The problem is now going to be these school systems are going to be left behind because there's a better alternative out there, and they're going to start hollering because I've heard some of it where they're going, well, that's not fair. Now we're taking the cream of the crop out. Sorry. That's the way it goes. And and you you're going to you find wanna that. You do want
1: to take the cream of the crop out. You do. You yeah. want to. You want to call the herd and get the best and the brightest in the best school, so that we can represent and and our community best. You want the brightest to get the best, so when they come back and they open a business or enter into politics, we've got the best and brightest handling our government. <laughs> yes, you yeah. do want to call the herd. And well, they think
2: it. that's not fair. They think that's not fair. <laughs>
8: but you got opportunities even for the other people who did not want to go to that accelerated path you have other i didn't want to go to college right out of school i wanted to be a welder i took welding in school i was a certified welder when i came out of school i had a path laid before me that i chose to do now let me say this after working in the heat after the eye burns going on after your hair's on fire a couple times you go, hey, college might not be so bad here. And then you start going to night school. <laughs> yeah,
3: so,
8: yeah, so there's, you know, reality is a is a cruel animal sometimes, but it's beneficial. And it helps us become better at what we need to be. And uh, like I said, living in the car and being a little hungry, pretty good motivator in life, you know. So.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty because- positive about I was just going to say I was positive about the future because we'll probably get to a, to a point, maybe two more Supreme Court justices. So I think we, we – America has a bright future ahead, you know.
8: I think I, – I really do think that when the dust settles and and the score is kept here and we start seeing this country turn back to greatness again – And it is let's be honest. We see that all the time. That's why the left doesn't want it to happen, but I'm seeing it and I think our young people are seeing it. I think our society is seeing it. We all benefit benefit from a great society that President Trump and his administration is doing and it's trickling down to local governments like myself giving me hope to want to get up every day and make our county better too. So Curtis I, I completely agree and your wife as you you know serves in our town council in our town and i know she feels that way you know Um, it's just a lot of hope out there that i see you know and and i really do see it so oh yeah i think we I, i think we hear from the liberal minority not the conservative majority is what we hear from so
1: Oh, that's, that's true. Because if you watched, i never, I have watched it once the, that TV show, the view, I watched it once and I just had it hold my cookies down. But judge Janine Pereira, um, judge Janine was on there, hawking her new book. Matter of fact, she will be on this show on the 31st. Uh, and I actually watched the clip segment that Hannity played. And then I went onto YouTube and pulled it up and watched the whole thing. It, when you when you see something like that, and you know they pack the office, the audience with like-minded individuals, you see something like that. You just go, what are they thinking? Here she is, a guest. You know, you should be treating her with respect instead of saying, "Oh, Trump said every Mexican is a rapist and a murderer." Uh, no, <laughs> and let her answer. If you're going to make such an accusation, and of course, Whoopi Goldberg just stomps off as if you know that was a real loss there. But uh, yeah. this is what we're seeing. We're seeing the minority that's trying to control the conversation, and they're losing, unfortunately for us. Like I said, with the hashtag walk away, you know, right. it's, it's, it is a huge movement, and people are saying, well, this is not what civil society should be about. We should be sitting down and talking together, <laughs> which is why I was surprised and that New York Democrats sounded so logical. Uh-huh. I didn't agree with everything he said, but at least he had a civil conversation.
2: Annie. Right. That show should be called yes, Our View because they don't let anybody else with a different view <laughs> express it. So it should be our view.
8: Well it's it's also called ratings. It's called ratings and they're 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 being dictated what to say by a very small few. Uh I I would really it would be kind of funny to see these ratings in reality. I don't watch the view. I don't do, I don't, I, no pollers ever called me about how I feel. You know, I would love for one to call me, and please do, if, you, if you're a pollster out there, call Larry Harvey. I'll be glad to answer my conservative. I think they want to try to control the message because they realize they're losing the message, and they're screaming loud and loud, but they're screaming in the wrong direction, and they need to be getting on board. I would love to know what these people who run The View, when they go home and look in the mirror, what they really think at the end of the day. Because reality has to set in one time where you go, man, I was just full of crap that day, you know. I was just, I can't believe the words coming out of my mouth, you know. And I think reality is going to set in for those people that that proclaim liberalism, socialism, all the other stuff. You know, it's time to move this country to greatness. And I think our president is doing that right now. And I'm on board. And I wish everybody was on board.
1: What's what's funny is is that not only do I run a tea party, but I'm also active in my county GOP. And when Katie Arrington um, was coming to talk to the county GOP, I made sure that members of my tea party knew about it. And I said, show up. You don't have to be a card-paying member of the GOP. It is a county open meeting. So show up. And when I went to the meeting, uh, the woman at the signing desk was, was, some people are here that said that that you you told them they could come. And I said, yes, they're members of my tea party. You do want them active and uh, becoming a member, wouldn't you? We have to. Bring this country together and Tea Parties and other conservative movements, 912s, get involved in your local GOP. If you're feeling like starting to move to the left, join them and pull them back to the right. When okay. they asked me, when I became my precinct uh, chairwoman, uh, which I'm also, I represent my precinct, uh, one of the members who happens to be a really good friend of mine said, well, Ann, why are you finally joining the GOP? And I said, I want to bring it back to the right she goes, you can't say that. And I says, that's exactly why I'm here. You've become too yep. liberal. You've become more like a Democrat, and I want to bring the party back to its foundation. And she got upset with me. She is a very dear friend. Well, that's not the way to think. And I said, well, how is it to
8: think? If I see there's a change <laughs> that needs to be made, then I'm here
1: to represent that change. Larry, am I crazy?
8: No, I think you're right on target there. I can't imagine. I think she should have celebrated your existence of walking in the door, wanting to make that change, and unfortunately, she didn't realize that there was a change that needed to happen. Uh, you know, sometimes we, my pastor says, it good, we're so deceived we deceive ourselves, and and in fact, we need that wake up call sometimes. Like, hey, you kind of went off the deep end here. You know, you're kind of looking like them. You're kind of you're trying to be somebody you're not being. And we all, we all need that reality check sometimes. I do. It would be so simple, Anne, for me to go to meetings, not pray about it, just go along with the flow, but that's not what I'm supposed to do in life. I'm supposed to ask questions, and I'm supposed to represent my conservative core beliefs on the board that I serve on. And if more people felt that way. But I, I want to go to one thing before I know our time is going to be ending pretty soon. Um I can only speak for our little community and when we talked about school and the elections there um we have a little we we elect our school board members on what they call the non party thing and and they hide behind that they hide behind well mm-hmm. our 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 election is nonpartisan no you're still either a d or an r or you're an other party. And you still have core beliefs. And just because you run for an MP seat doesn't mean that we shouldn't scrutinize, are you conservative, are you a liberal? And we should vote accordingly to that because those, yep. those, those, their values are getting into that system that aren't my values. And, and I applaud that you have people running in your district for those seats. Because that's important. But the bottom line, whether they're non party seats or not, what's your core values? Where do you believe at? Because that's gonna dictate the, the way our future is gonna go.
1: So I didn't
3: know. Well mean we're to down, go down off to on our that. last
1: <laughs> We're down to our last four minutes, Larry. Uh I have a link to your uh District 4 page uh, up on the show page so people can contact you and learn more about you by going there. want to thank you for joining us. want to remind the listeners we'll be back here on Tuesday. Uh, Kenneth Timberman has a great book out. It's a fictional book about ISIS in Iraq uh, and Austin Peterson was going to be with us. Uh, and next Friday we're going to have a real slug fest with a moderate Muslim Soroya Deason going up against our Christian uh Egyptian uh, running the straightway ministries, Usama Dakdurk. Uh So that's going to be a very interesting, Christianity versus uh, Islam, or what they call moderate Islam. Larry, I want to thank you for joining us. Curtis, uh, thank you for always being a gracious and good co-host. I um, want to have, remind everyone to be careful out there. The nuts are still out there. Just cover your six.
8: <laughs> oh, I'll yeah. leave
1: you with our closing song, uh, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. And I'll say good night and God bless. Thank you, Ian. Good
8: night.
2: All right. Thanks, Larry.
8: Thank you, sir.